When Hollywood comes to Ireland, the world's biggest stars catch up with Serena Bellissimo. This is the Bellissimo Files on Spin. Good morning. Happy New Year. We made it. We made it through 2021. And now we have 2022 to look forward to. I hope you're having a great Christmas break. On today's Bellissimo Files, instead of looking forward, we're just going to indulge. And this week, we're going to look back on some of the favourite chats I've had here on Spin. It was really hard for producer Aoife and I to narrow down our top 10 of 2021, but we managed to do it. And so on this week's show... I'll be looking back at some chats that I've had for spin with the likes of Henry Cavill, Idris Elba, Zendaya, Jennifer Hudson, Lord, Edgar Ramirez, and so much more. We're going to kick off the show with Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan. Find out why he called us all weirdos next. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to spin. Yes, it's Bellissimo Files with me, Serena, where on this week's show, we are looking back at some of my favourite chats with the likes of Jennifer Hudson, Idris Elba and Lord. But now it's time to turn our attention to Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan. Their film, Wild Mountain Time, may not have been our favourite, to put it mildly. It wasn't even so bad, it's good. I'd probably stay away from that. And look at some of their other films because they've done amazing films. I'd say that film's probably more fun to make than it was for us to watch. But something that was lots of fun was my chat with Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan. I've never actually found it this funny when someone insulted me. Jamie, Emily, lovely to meet you both. You too. Jamie, how does it feel to actually be releasing a film this year? Because it has been such an uncertain year when it comes to the cinema. I mean, Emily, I think I was supposed to be talking to you back in March for A Quiet Place 2, and that's been shelved. But you guys finally have something out on the big screen. No, it's mad. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, this is the third film I've had out during this year. The first one is this movie that actually probably benefited more from just being released uh, digitally. It's a, it a very small film and sort of made sense for it. The second one's actually done surprisingly well, um, a film called Synchronic with Anthony Mackie that, that uh, most of its money came from drive-in theatres in the States. It's kind of mad. But the weirdest part about that is, you know, you have this amazing experience making these films and then don't get to all be together a year later and then and, and to offer it to the world and we'll have a party and a drink together. And that bit of it's been a wee bit bad. But listen, you know, at least people are getting to see it. Emily, you've said that when you read the script, you were taken with and bewitched by it. What was it about the script that made you feel like that? I think that sort of fairy tale, otherworldly quality that it had. And, you know, Shanley is such a such an exquisite writer he he almost has the characters speaking to each other in verse i mean it was just sort of like nothing else i'd written and very poetic very lyrical very beautiful and really funny and and the awkwardness of being human you know which you often don't find in scripts where all these sort of curated versions of of uh, characters that have to be brave and courageous or passionate or have the perfect thing to say or you know behave in the right way and I think along comes this script with all of its oddity and and awkwardness and I I just loved it. Jamie, Emily kept mentioning the words oddity and quirkiness and they could relate perfectly to your character of Anthony. You said that you could relate to that. What do you two have in common? It's almost better for Emily to answer that having you spent all that time with me. Listen, all odd. All of us, right? Whether you want to believe it or not, you're weird. You're a weirdo. Emily's a weirdo. We're all weirdos. And 
and Andrew is like the king of the weirdos. The king of the weirdos. Oh, that's going to be your autobiography. I love that. The king of the weirdos. That's you know, it. You heard it here. I find a lot more of his sort of uneasiness and lack of ability sometimes and confidence and uh, lack of sort of knowing uh, much more relatable than other characters I've played, you know, who are much more aware of everything and not only aware, but um, in control of their surroundings, their destiny, their actions. So, um, yeah, I felt like he was this great sort of vehicle to plant all of my own oddness and heighten it further within um, Anthony. Emily, at the start of the film, it says, welcome, welcome to Ireland. I know you've been here before. You have a house in West Cork, but... What kind of welcome did you get? Because you were here for three months. Wait, who has a house in West Cork? Was that a big lie? There's a there was a big article hey. written about Emily. I wish a house I had a cork. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. <laughs> Apparently, you have a house in West Cork. Can I just say, I, I wish so, I did. There's so many properties you remember. <laughs> I wish I had a house in West Cork. That'd be far. No, I actually had barely spent that much time in Ireland. I remember I'd gone to Dublin on like a netball tour when I was like 14. <laughs> so this was truly my first full immersion in how beautiful and extraordinary of a country it is and how extraordinary the people are and you know, on the weekends off, we would travel and I'd just kind of drive down through Connemara, which was just so striking and sort of Jurassic almost. It was so beautiful. So, yeah, I, I loved it. I want to go back. I, I mean, I loved being there, loved the people, loved the whole thing. Jamie, what was it like having Emily, John Hamm, Christopher Walken in Ireland with you? I mean, what were the locals' reactions when you'd walk into places? No, you just decided to show it off, I guess, you know, and listen, I admit County Mayo is not a county I was particularly familiar with in uh, probably the county I knew the least in all of Ireland, maybe Roscommon. But, you know, it's so beautiful there, the people of Cross Malina and Ballina, which were the sort of main two towns that we were filming near and living near. We're just so welcoming as you'd imagine them to be at home, you know, and um, we just had a laugh, you know, it's funny now thinking about it, pre-COVID world where you could actually all go out for dinner together and go to pubs and enjoy each other's company and uh, those days seem like very distant memory, but uh, it happened and I'm very thankful it got to happen for us. Well, I hope to have you both back in Ireland and Emily, maybe we can all visit your house in West Cork when you're next home? Exactly, you're, you're all very welcome. You're very welcome. Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan talking about Wild Mountain Time, as I said at the start. Probably stay away from that film and watch something else. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to spin. Happy New Year. I hope you're easing yourself into 2022. Here on the Bellissimo Files today, we're having a look at some of the favourite interviews I did for spin in 2021. One of mine was with Simu Liu. Simu Yu first came to my attention in a Netflix series called Kim's Convenience. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It is hilarious. It's about a Korean family who own a convenience store, funnily enough, called Kim's Convenience in Canada. He played the son in that. But while he was filming Kim's Convenience, Simu Yu got a tap on the shoulder by Marvel asking him whether or not he wanted to be the next superhero in the Marvel Universe. You can guess what he said. Simu, I am so excited to, uh, to meet you because as a massive Kim's Convenience fan, yes, I was, I was so excited when I saw that you were going from being Jung 
to being a superhero. That was my reaction. But what was your reaction when you found out that was actually going to be the case? Yeah, pretty, pretty insane. I was in the tail end of shooting uh, our fourth season when I, when I found out that I got the part. And I still had to go to work every day after knowing that I got the part. And I was supposed to keep it a secret. I wasn't really good at it, but eventually I slowly, I remember slowly pulling each of my cast members into my dressing room being like, I have something to tell you, I have something to tell you, and breaking <laughs> the news to them and getting to like celebrate with each and every one of them. Um, really, really wonderful. We're, we're so proud of the show that, you know, every single episode and, and the show and just what it stood for. I feel like Shang-Chi is in so many ways an extension of that, right? It's it's yeah. it, it's a celebration of, of Asian culture, of Asian representation. And, you know, so much of that is, is in the same spirit as Kim's Convenience, but, you know, obviously blasted on this massive global scale and with Marvel action and spectacle and martial arts. So um, very, very exciting stuff. I have to ask a really nerdy question when it comes to Kim's Convenience. My Those husband are my favorite and I, types of questions. Yeah. <laughs> my husband and I were watching and I was saying, we're watching season five. I'm going, something's going on. Simu's doing something because there's a lot of Skyping in. Were you filming when you were doing the Skyping in? Were you yes. on the set of Shang-Chi? I mean, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, it was, we, we shot those Skype sessions uh, in Australia and we had members of our Shang-Chi crew basically becoming, you know, absorbed into the Kim's Convenience Splinter crew. And it was so awesome. I mean, just seeing the two sides uh, coordinate and cooperate with each other. I was very, very lucky. You've said about Shang-Chi that this has been the most grueling and toughest thing you've ever done, but also the most thrilling. How did you feel at the end of every shoot day? Uh, to, oh man, for the most part, exhausted. Um, yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of stunts in this movie. I always say if a human being, if an ordinary human being had gone through what Sean goes through in like the first, even just the first half of the movie, because yeah. it all takes place, you know, you know, in, in a very short time period in the story, um, they would be, they would be in a hospital, like dead or in a coma or something. I mean, it's, it's a lot. And I feel like at least somewhere along the way, a bone would have been broken, a little hairline fracture, perhaps definitely a ton of bruises. I mean, this guy goes through a lot and, and each of those sequences took, you know, so much time to not only shoot, but also to prepare and um and you know rehearse and and so i mean there were there were a lot of days and even on the days where i wasn't shooting action i typically have to you know at the end of the day after we wrapped would have to go to the stunt uh stage and and then rehearse for whatever action sequences i had coming up the next day so really just exhausted but also in the in the best way Finally, there's a line in this film that says, from now on, the trajectory of your life will be like nothing you've experienced and there's no go going back. This could apply to you right now. You are a star in a Marvel film. How are you feeling about what's about to happen? Still, still pinching myself every single day. I mean, I mean, not only is this my first Marvel film, it's my first film in general. And I remember getting that call from Kevin Feige on a Tuesday telling me that I was going to be in San Diego in four days. And I think he told me, your life will never be the same. And um, that feeling, I mean, that, that has just meant the world. This is a dream come true for so many reasons. It's an opportunity for me to finally give something, you know, to give back to my parents what they had invested in me for so long. And, um, you know, neither of us had, had seen this coming. We grew up from such humble beginnings, you know, raiding discount aisles at supermarkets and, and all of that. So just to be here, it, it is an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Well, Simu, enjoy it because we're enjoying what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Simu, you there talking Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. If you haven't caught that film yet, it is on Disney Plus and definitely 
worth checking out. I really enjoyed it. It's a superhero story like we've never seen before. They announced that a sequel is going to be made to that, and I cannot wait to see what Shang-Chi gets up to next. From the back. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to Spin. This is the Bellissimo Files with me, Serena, where today on the Bellissimo Files, we're taking a look at some of our favourite interviews from 2021. Still to come on the show, Jennifer Garner and Edgar Ramirez talk about what they say yes to. But now, something that we were saying yes to was the fact that Lord was back. It was 2017 when she'd last released her album, Melodrama, while in 2021, she gave us solar power and she also announced a world tour. Dublin doesn't feature on the list. We spoke all about that and she makes us a promise. Take a listen. Lord, so cool to meet you. Oh, likewise. How are you? Well, do you know what? I'm really happy because I was uh, playing your album today and I was walking down Dublin streets and the sun was shining and I was having this moment where I felt like I was part of one of those movie montages while oh. I was listening to your music. The dream, the dream. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to provide. <laughs> How did you feel making the album? felt um, really good. I feel like I had a few of those experiences too where I was walking around my neighbourhood being like, oh, this is really feeling like a good soundtrack to this. <laughs> um, yeah, I felt pretty sort of calm and happy and, and you know, centred. I was really spending a lot of time at home and, and trying to, capture how that made me feel so yeah it was uh it was really nice we, it was so it's such a nice process we we made it pretty much all in summer and we would just sort of sit in the studio and have the doors open and then you know eat ice cream <laughs> for you as well as for us like you sort of spent the last 18 months to yourself making this album and ourselves as a world we sort of have done the same and we're going back into the world with such trepidation But I assume for you that trepidation has to be on another level because you're going out there not only trying to rediscover what's going on in the world, but then you're literally going out there to blinding, flashing lights and all the attention on you. How are your senses feeling? Mm, That is, that's a good, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, it's definitely a big adjustment for me. Even coming back at the best of times is a big adjustment, but, um, I try to, yeah, just to remind myself that this is such a small chunk in my life and, and you know, coming out here and sort of talking to people and showing my face. I'm naturally a very shy kind of introverted person. So I think about a year and a half from now when inevitably I'll be lying on my couch doing absolutely nothing, bored out of my brain and wishing I was busy <laughs> at work. So, <laughs> Well, you've been really busy making music there's so many things that come with that and one of them is being the cover of October Vogue oh yeah no big deal huh is that just mind blank because like when you dream of being a musician this is stuff that you don't necessarily think of and then you put in there how do you feel on photo shoot day oh man well I was a little fashion nerd as a kid you know I would just be cruising Vogue runway, trying to see all the shows. Like that was my obsession. So oh, it was just insane. It was like totally, it wasn't even a dream because I just never even dreamed that anyone would want me to be on the cover of American Vogue. But I truly tried to like 
soak it up. The whole, it was a two-day shoot and tried to really be like, this is crazy. You're on this amazing shoot in the middle of the, you know, ocean or on this beautiful beach at sunrise or whatever, you know, it was just such a cool experience. I really like stopped and took it in as much as I could. And then on top of that, you had the Met Gala. Like, <laughs> you know, we're talking about the flashing lights and stuff. There are so many flashing lights there. There are people screaming your names. What is that walk up the stairs like? I'd be worried. I'd be tripping up, up them. Yeah, well, uh, I was in a flat shoe, which I uh, I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah good yeah. thinking. And that's my hot tip to anyone who gets invited to the Met Ball, you know, try and finagle it so you can wear a flat. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, you know, to be, yeah, on this, you know, uh, on one hand, it's a party, you know, for celebrities, but on the other hand, you're creating something really beautiful and, and giving people this real beauty to look at in times when sometimes there isn't much beauty. So just even, yeah, for me to see all these people who looked so amazing and, and had created such like sort of works of art that they were wearing. It's never not a, a cool, surreal thing. It's my, it was my third time going and I, I, it's even more cool to me now than it was when I started going. But there is, yeah, you, it's a little surreal. You just sort of try to stand there and, you know, not look like too much of a dog. There is a lot of planning happening for your world tour. Now I have to pick a bone with you, Lord. You have O'Connor in your surname. And I oh. would have thought with O'Connor in your surname, you'd maybe be paying us a visit here in oh. Ireland. Is that just an oversight? Will you give us a surprise gig? It's coming. I, I, you have my word. I'm, I'm coming. I'm doing my best. It's really difficult to route a tour in COVID for many reasons, but I promise I'm coming. <laughs> Something else that we're wondering if it's happening or not. You were asked recently who you'd love to collab with and Harry Styles' name came up. <laughs> Can we make that happen? <laughs> I mean, who knows, you know, he's, uh, he's doing his thing. Uh, I'm doing my thing, but I think he's so great. I really enjoyed watching that last sort of album play out. I think he's such a delight. I love a good, someone who just is such a talented pop star. I feel like he really... Has that quality. And finally, you first heard your song on the radio because your sister requested it when you were back in New Zealand and it played out on New Zealand radio. Do you still get excited when you hear your music play somewhere unexpectedly? Oh, yeah, totally. It's just the coolest thing. I love it. I love it. I heard something in a coffee shop the other day. I turned on the radio the day before that and heard something. It's, uh, yeah, it's always very, very fun and satisfying, especially when you're far from home or in a random place. You know, it's like, we made it here. <laughs> I love it. Well, Lord, you've made it here. If you come and tour, you can randomly hear your, your song being played in many coffee shops because we play you out on air all the time. Oh, I really appreciate that. And you have my word. I will be there. <laughs> Brilliant. Cannot wait to see you play live. In the meantime, your album Solar Power is out. Thank you so much for the music and thanks for taking the time to chat. Thank you. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Hopefully Lord stays true to that and she does fit in some Dublin dates because I would love to see her playing Dublin. Doublissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to spin. Hey, it's Serena here with The Bellissimo Files. I think one of the most popular TV shows of 2021 had to be Ted Lasso. If you haven't discovered Ted Lasso yet, do yourselves a favour, get yourself onto Apple TV and binge it now. It is such a feel-good series. It stars Jason Sudeikis. 
He's a football coach from America who's sent to London to coach a different sort of football team. If you're not into football, please don't let that put you off because it is so much more than football. It is the warm hug. I know that sounds really corny, but it is the warm hug that you need. One of my favourite characters in the show, beside Jason Sudeikis's Ted Lasso, is Coach Baird, played by Brendan Hunt. I loved catching up with him. We talked all things Ted Lasso, but the thing that I needed to talk to him about most was whether or not the Roy Kent character was based on our very own Roy Keane. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We need to talk about Roy Kent. Mm-hmm. Has um, Roy Keane approached you asking for some royalties? What's going on there? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, when we were getting into football was the, uh, the peak era of uh, Manchester United. That's when they were winning the treble. And that, you know, butted up against, you know, the, uh, the Roy Keane soap opera of the 2002 World Cup. And um, though I was not a Man U fan, um, and I'm still not, I just was fascinated by Roy Keane, always was. And so was Joe, and so was Jason. So when we were putting uh, this together as like a show, you know, we're like, okay, well, we know that Ted's nice. What is a existing, you know, football archetype that he would have to deal with? And we could think of no greater obstacle than... <laughs> than uh, human bummer Roy Keane uh, in in his midst. So we gave him a placeholder name because like we're not going to base him on Roy Keane. He's not, you know, he he just is going to be that vibe, um, you know, that kind of intimidation uh, with uh, with gravitas as well, not just a random jerk, but someone who who backs it up and you know is a, a authentic and formidable. And uh, we called him Roy Kent as a placeholder. And then we get closer and closer to shooting it. I'm like, oh, guys, he's still he's still named Roy Kent. We're not going to keep his name Roy Kent, right? We're going to we're going to change that. And I'm like, why would we change it? Well, it's a little recognizable um, from the source material. No, no. Roy Kent's great. OK. All right. If you say so. So far, this has worked out. We have yet to hear from uh, uh, Mr. Kent's uh, barristers. And we'll see if we ever do. I. I'd be delighted to know if he's watching it. I, it would be as delightful to know he liked the show as it would be to find out that he hates it. <laughs> yeah. Well, would you, would you consider approaching him to actually, I'd love to see a face-off between Roy Kent and Roy Keane. I, I wouldn't approach Roy Keane if he was strapped down. Uh, I mean, that's just, <laughs> just <laughs> taking your life in your own hands. You kidding me? <laughs> so, okay, l- let me put it to you this way. If we start a thing where we approach Roy Keane and say, Roy, we'd really love you to be a part of Ted Lasso, but I think the only way this is going to happen is if you contact Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah, well, please just don't do that in public or with a microphone nearby. <laughs> you know, there could be children too, and it just it could, it could backfire rather violently. So you're very afraid, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe if, if, if we could do it in Cork while he's walking his dogs and, you know, in his, he's in his happy place. Yeah. then maybe we have a decent shot. But other than that, I'm, I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. You're in the middle of writing season three. There's a lot of talk that this was only ever supposed to be a three-season arc. Will it be a three-season show or will we get more? Well, I mean, you know, in a vacuum, doing more sounds awesome. Um, but the story we set out to tell was always going to be three parts. So we're going to finish telling that story first. And from there, it remains to be seen. Okay. I don't know. I don't know one way or another yet. And that's the God's honest truth. Well, do you know what? I'll, I'll just take whatever you give us because I am absolutely loving it. And we trust where you, you're going to take this story. Brendan, it was such a pleasure to meet you.
Uh, and yourself. Thank you again for so much, so much for having me. I'm hoping that maybe in season three we might see you down in Cork walking a dog with Roy Keane. We never know, huh? <laughs> yes, please. Running away as he unleashes the dogs to try to kill us. Yeah, yeah, that's what people want to see. At the end of our chat, I didn't want to do the usual, oh, so tell me about your Irish connections. Well, I didn't have to because as soon as I stopped the conversation, he wanted to tell me all about his Irish connections. And I'm glad I pressed record because I can't believe... This one. Yeah, I have Irish uh, on both sides of my family. My mom's family was uh, 100% Irish, uh, you know, in the American way of being Irish. And then my dad was uh, was half Irish. And yeah, I believe my last name, Hunt, is um, an anglicized version of Ophiana. Um, oh. And um, I've been to Ireland a handful of times. I've, I've performed at, uh, at Cat Laughs. Um, I've been to Doolin. I have family in Doolin. I, I, I've stayed at their house. Uh, that same family is uh, is related to Chris O'Dowd. So Chris O'Dowd and I are like related by marriage. We've never met. I suspect he still doesn't know who I am. That's fine. I'm a fan anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I love Ireland. Haven't been back in a while and uh, dying to get there. Okay. So what I'm hearing now is season three, we're coming to Cork to meet Roy Kent and going to Doolin to meet Chris O'Dowd. <laughs> It's like you're in the writer's room already. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, as I said, do yourselves a favour and check it out. It is on Apple TV now. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to spin. In 2021, Jennifer Garner and Edgar Ramirez came together to give us Netflix's Yesterday. Yesterday centres around the Torres family. They decide that as parents, they're going to give their kids one day where the kids can ask for anything and the parents have to say yes. I'd love one of those days. Something that I jumped at and said yes to was when I found out that Jennifer Garner and Edgar Ramirez wanted to chat to me, the answer was a big fat yes. Jennifer Garner, Edgar Ramirez, thank you for such a fun film. Oh. oh, good. Thank you. I'm so happy you enjoyed it. At the very beginning, Alison says, some people gravitate towards no, some people lean towards yes. I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, what do you gravitate towards? When I was younger, I said yes to everything. I would suddenly, I was visiting a friend in New York and suddenly I lived there. I was visiting a friend in LA and suddenly I lived there. I was just up for, I was up for all of it. And then you have kids and it's not that you say no, it's just that you have to try to control the crazy in order to get them to school and get them fed and get them to bed. And all of a sudden your life is full of no's. You have more no's than yeses. So I understand, Allison. As a matter of fact, it's from my own life. So (laughs) (laughs) what about yourself, Edgar? What do you gravitate towards? Well, I gravitate towards yes, but um, I'm perfectly capable of saying no as well. Yeah. So I think that it's important, especially when it comes down to the awesome responsibility of raising a human being. You know, I think that, that, that it's very important to say a loving no, but it's very important to give, to give structure and to give guidance. Saying yes can be scary, though. Jennifer, what's one of the scariest things you've said yes to, but what did it open up for you as a result? Oh, gosh, saying yes as a, as a person opened up having kids. It opened up my having this weird career that I have. It opened, I mean, so many things that, that it just, I kind of was like, yeah, sure. Or when I was in college, just working at theaters all over the country that I didn't know anyone there. I didn't, 
I'd never met anyone and they would see, you know, I'd send in my headshot and they would say, do you want to work here this summer for free? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I would. I do. So uh, everything. Jennifer, what have you missed saying yes to during this pandemic? Travel, seeing, seeing friends going, just see, just being with people, giving people hugs, being with my family. I know Edgar has been without his family. So, I mean, adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Same. same. Same for you, Edgar. Same. You know, it's uh, it's having to, yeah, having to say no to to see the people that you love, you know, in order to see the people that you love the most. You know, yeah. it's um, it's uh, yeah, and it's and, and I think it's been the reality for so many people around the world. I mean, I think that we all we we all are collectively united, but that you know, reality of of not being able to say yes to to being together with the people that we love. And that's why I think that this movie and this experience regains a whole different and bigger and deeper meaning because I we really hope that it will give audiences the hope that soon this will pass and we'll be able to be together with the people that we love physically and be able to hug yeah. them and kiss them and, and never let them go. I was actually going to ask you that question. What is the biggest lesson that you take from this film? The biggest from lesson the- is that the most valuable, the most beautiful, the most important gift that you can give to the people that you love is time, yeah. time and focus. That is a real asset. That is the real gift. And yeah, that time, time is all that matters. Focus you know? too. Focus is such focus. a great thing to add because you can be with your kids, you know, all weekend. But if you are just like, what do you want to do? What do you want? I've got it. Let's do it. Your job. You, you tell me what you want. That's a totally different energy. And that's what's so special about yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thank you for putting that out there and getting us to think about that too. It was so much oh, fun good. and it was great meeting you both. Thank you very much. So what, a happy. Thanks, Belisa, oh, no. what a beautiful last name. What a beautiful last name. Will you say that you. for me? Will you say huh? that? Oh, thank you, Jennifer. Will you say that for me, Edgar? I love the way no. you say it. Sarina Bellissimo. It's such a beautiful last name. <laughs> My God, what a great energy. Like to come back. Edgar Bellissimo. I mean, wow. It would be great like to walk into a room. What's your name? Sarina Bellissimo. I love it. Okay, I'm red now and you need to go to yeah. your next interview. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yesterday is available now on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's actually a fun one to watch with the family, but be prepared for the demands that you might get after watching yesterday. Talking about Netflix, Jennifer Garner is teaming up with Ryan Reynolds for The Adam Project. That's coming a little later on this year. The Adam Project sees Ryan Reynolds travel back in time to get help from his 13-year-old self. Cannot wait for that. And if you're looking to see Edgar Ramirez in something, I can't say too much about it, but the 355 with Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, Diane Kruger and Penelope Cruz is out in the next couple of weeks and Edgar Ramirez features in that too. So that's definitely worth the watch when that comes out in cinemas. From the back. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to Spin. This is the Bellissimo Files with me, Serena, where on today's show, we're taking a look at some of our favourite Spin interviews from 2021. There's still chats with Zendaya and Jennifer Hudson to come, but now it's time to turn our attention to Idris Elba. 2021 was the year that saw Idris Elba join the Suicide Squad, the sequel to Suicide Squad. Instead of putting the number two at the end of it, they just put the at the start. That's how you know the difference between one and two. He played Bloodsport. I got to catch up with him and his co-star, Daniela Malquire, who played Ratcatcher. Idris and Daniela, lovely to meet you both. Nice to meet you, Serena. 
Idris, when you first presented with this script, what were your initial reactions? Uh, I need to read it again. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot going on and a lot of uh, just incredible stuff that when you watch the movie, you know, it's it's a really layered movie. On one hand, you've got this big war movie and on the other hand you've got this love affair between all these characters as they risk their life together. Daniela, auditions are terrible at the worst of times but then when you're going into your final audition and you're thinking not only do I have to nail this audition but um, I have to pretend I love this rat. How do you prepare yourself for that? Actually I didn't. As soon as I uh, found out that I would be having rats on set I thought This is the first and the last time that I'm thinking about it. So if meeting these rats and like making a friendship with them uh, will be my ticket to get on the Suicide Squad, like it will be peanuts for me. And it was because... Yeah, it, they were. They are really, really like adorable. It just one of my all-time favorite Junket photos is. I don't know if you can see this. Is of rock and roller. It is you, Tom Hardy, and myself. I wow. absolutely. When you look at that photo, do you remember how you were feeling back then? Back then, like your career was taking off. Did you ever think? This is where you'd be. Um, at that junction, um, you know, I was just having so much fun and feeling very, very lucky. Look, you know, Tom uh, is, is a good mate and watching his rise and being with Guy, Richie and the team, you know, it was a really exciting time for me. So I didn't have my eyes firmly fixed on where I might be in 10 years, but actually now I'm here, I'm sort of thankful for that journey. You know, um, I'm really happy to see that picture, dude. Really happy to see <laughs> Oh, I love it. And I love, Idris, that your career is you've, you haven't let anybody tell you what to do. Like you've gone, I want to do music. I want to do acting. I want to actually give back. And you've gone and done it your way. And I love that because it tells us let's not be boxed in. Let's do what we want. Yeah, no, I thank you for saying that. For someone that's known me for a while, I guess um, I, it didn't start off as organized as that. But you're right. You know, I've sort of carved out a, a lane for myself and continue on it. And it is very important to give back. You know what I mean? It's important to be able to uh, uh, leave, leave the breadcrumbs for someone else to follow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Daniela, I've been stalking you all on Instagram and I love that this film is about friendship, but it looks like you all became friends offset. Yes. Have you, yeah, tell me about that. We just keep um, talking like uh, on social media, WhatsApp all the time. Um, actually, sorry, ages, but I have, but actually he doesn't have WhatsApp anymore, but I have this group with, um, David Dasmalchian and Steve Ag, and we're always like sending, um, how can I say awkward photos and videos that we did of each other uh, when we were shooting and yeah, it's hilarious. And even David still, uh, send us like videos from his kids uh, like saying a lot of bad jokes and bad words. And yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> um, Idris, I think it's worth getting back onto WhatsApp just to join that group. Um, join, yeah, a bunch of losers. Just, just so know. I can collect the pictures that they've got on me. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Idris and Daniela, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat. It was lovely to chat to you both. Thank, thank you. So I love that chat and I love that Idris Elba hasn't let fame go to his head. He's going to be busy in 2022. He's returning with some more Luther for us 
And we'll also hear him as Knuckles in Sonic Hedgehog 2 when that is out in cinemas later this year. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to spin. It's the Bellissimo Files with me, Serena, and on today's show, we're having a fun look back at some of our favourite spin interviews of 2021. It was a blockbuster year for Zendaya, literally. She starred in two of the most anticipated blockbusters of 2021, Dune and Spider-Man No Way Home, which is currently in cinemas. But her year didn't start off like that. Her year started off with a very different type of film. She co-starred alongside John David Washington in Malcolm and Marie. Far from a blockbuster, it was filmed during a pandemic over two weeks with a very small crew, and it looked at the highs and lows of Malcolm and Marie's relationship over the course of one night. In February, I chatted to Zendaya and director Sam Levinson all about it. Zendaya, Sam, thank you for this masterpiece and hello. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Thank you. Um, I'm still feeling really intense after watching that film, but it's a lovely high to be on. Zendaya, you've said about this film, this role, it was an actor's dream, but it was also really nerve-wracking taking this on. Why? I think for uh, quite a few reasons, I think because of the time in which we were trying to make it happen. Safety was a was a was a big, big concern for all of us. I think, you know, the just sheer nature of it being stripped back so much and really having not much else to rely on. But then also because, you know, I was, you know, we're I'm it's my first time producing and putting my own money into something and and that can be very, very scary, you know, be, having that level of collaboration can be freeing and exciting and, and fun, but it can also be terrifying because you're putting yourself out there more and more and more and more and more. And the more you get connected to the piece, the harder it is to disconnect yourself from something. With that being said, you know, um, I was excited more than anything because I, I had been looking for something like this, wanting to make something like this. And I was like, okay, well, let's just go off and make it, you know, and with that being said, I, I've always wanted to do something that felt like a play and something that had those challenging elements that would make me just have to work a little bit harder and be more vulnerable. Uh, and so those, all those things being said, I think it was terrifying to an extent, but it was also just extremely fulfilling and exciting and creatively just like also a dream. Yeah, what was that like, Sam? Because, I mean, you guys have worked together before, but this was a project like no other. You were cocooning. There were only 22 crew members. You had two weeks. What was that like, that intensity? Because usually you can switch off and go home to your family, but there was no switching off. Yeah, it was It was sort of born out of a desire to get back to work. It was born out of a desire to get our crew back to work to do it safely. But I think it was also, we wanted to challenge ourselves, I think as, as filmmakers, as, as actors, producers, in the sense that it's essentially uh, takes place in real time. Um, sure, there's these little kind of <laughs> interludes or breaks, but it, it felt like an exciting challenge just from a, a, a writing perspective, a directing perspective and a, and a performance perspective, because there's no place to go. You can't, we can't cut to another location. So we have to figure out exactly how it works. It's arcs in terms of the character um, or the characters, where it's going, the level of intensity. uh, How do we utilize this space so that it doesn't get old quickly? Um, There were a number of things that, that were kind of fun obstacles, I think. 
Zendaya, there's a line in the film that um, Marie says to Malcolm, she's talking about success and she says, life is going to get easier, but it will also get harder. Can you relate to that at all? Um, yeah, of course. Like, I think that's probably why I, I'm, I'm usually very hesitant to like, I don't really stop and smell the roses like I probably should because it feels like once you've broken through, there's also another whole set of challenges that comes with that next level. And I think that, you know, I don't know, I, I, I choose to just to embrace that. Um, I think I do need to probably do a little bit better at just like stepping back and just being happy about things and like taking things in and enjoying the moments when they happen uh, because I can live in a stressful headspace and kind of, and live in the, the harder rather than, well, look at all the, look at all the easier stuff. Look at how much easier this got, look at how much easier this got. And I'm just like, well, look at all this that I, you know, that I still am up again, you know? So I, I'm, I'm still trying to kind of um, navigate that myself. And I think a huge part of that is having good people around you, good team, um, good support system, good creative partners that build that. Uh, I guess you could say that, like she says, that also that ground you, you know, and help you make beautiful things. Well, I hope you find that balance because we're smelling the roses that you're putting out there. You guys are producing <laughs> amazing stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Malcolm and Marie is available on Netflix now. And as I said, you can catch Zendaya in Spider-Man No Way Home. It is showing at cinemas as we speak. And I cannot wait because this year also sees the return of Euphoria. Hopefully, season two will be hitting our screen soon. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars. And is exclusive to Spin. You're listening to The Bellissimo Files with me, Serena. We're here on today's show. We're taking a look back at some of my favourite Spin interviews of 2021. One of my favourites, without a doubt, has to be Jennifer Hudson. I caught up with her to talk about Aretha. In this film, she plays the legendary Aretha Franklin. She was actually handpicked by the woman herself before she passed away. Jennifer Hudson, I only have one word for you. Wow. You, you. were phenomenal as Aretha Franklin. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had my wow Aretha moment when I was about 15 and girls in my class brought in respect and think and we, like, sing it at the top of our lungs and feel invincible. When did you have your Aretha wow moment and how did she make you feel? Oh, my God. Great question. I feel like I've had many of those moments. She's so empowering, right? Like, my American Idol audition song was Aretha song, so I felt like... I could conquer the world in that moment. It just gave me, you know, such confidence in it because I felt like I was equipped because I had the greatest singer and the song song to sing for my audition. So I was like, well, I can't go wrong if I'm singing Aretha Franklin. So that's what I mean. Like she just empowered. She just made you feel so empowered. You mentioned the American Idol audition there. When you were auditioning, I'm sure in your head you're going, okay, I just want to get to the next round and maybe in my wildest dreams I will picture just winning American Idol. Did you ever think that you'd not only get to meet the woman herself but you'd get to play her in a biopic? I sit with that now. Like I always, all I say is it's only a story God could write because think about it. Like that was, what, 15, 17 years ago or whatever, I had no idea. And then fast forward to now, I'm playing her. And that's what I mean. Like, I've always been a fan, you know, and that was me fanning out, being a fan, singing Aretha Franklin songs, never knowing that she was a American Idol watcher. 
you know? And after I was eliminated from American Idol, she actually let me open up for one of her shows. So that alone blew me away. Yeah. And then fast forward two years later, she said, I want, uh, let's sit down about you playing me. Wait a minute. What? And then now I played her. I'm blown. I'm even like, okay, if sitting back watching this, you would think it was planned. Her dad says to her in this film, you are just getting started. I can't imagine what you're going to do next. And Jennifer, that's how I feel about you. Oh. How are you, like, how do you feel about your platform? How are you going to use your platform? And what do you plan to do next? Whew. Well, this project was, this is probably the biggest project I've ever done as far as the time and everything that's gone into it, but it's taught me so much. So I would love to apply a lot of the things that I learned through portraying Ms. Franklin to use in, in, in whatever the, this next chapter is for me. But the biggest thing is owning my artistry, my voice, my everything completely, you know, and I'm curious to see where it's going to lead me. Um, but after doing this, when I was on American Idol and after I got done with that, I used to say, if I could get through this, I can get through anything. That's how I feel about this. If I could get through playing Miss Franklin, I can get through anything. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, that's how you make us feel. So I just want to say that you are a true inspiration to us, your fans as well. Thank you so much. I love her. I know. I know you could probably hear me gushing that whole way through the interview, but oh, how can you not gush after chatting to Jennifer Hudson? She's just so grounded and so fabulous. I really can't wait to see what she does next. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to spin. This is the Bellissimo Files with me, Serena. I was so excited in 2021 when I found out that season three of Sex Education was coming back and then I binged it all in two days and it lived up to expectation and more. I think that was my favourite season of Sex Education. Two of my favourite characters from that season are Eric and Amy. They're played by Amy Lou Wood and Shudi Gatwa. I was thrilled when I got to chat to them. Shudi, Amy, welcome back. It is so good to have you back on our screens. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. Oh, I've met you before. I think I've met you before. You interviewed us last year, did you? Me and Asa. I did, I did. Wonderful. Oh, I'm I'm raging that this isn't in person because last time it it was one of the most awkward interview endings ever. I think I ended it with, Shooty, I'm going to sniff you on the way out because I was told about how amazing you smelt. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) He does. He does smell Uh, amazing. Yeah, I think I was like, come over, have a sniff. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about sex education. Absolutely love this season. Shooty, you've said... Filming a show about sex education in the era of social distancing wasn't always easy. How did you guys manage it? Yeah, do you know what we did? I make that sound very dramatic. but it, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't out of all the jobs to do during a pandemic. Like, acting really was not the hardest. But I guess it just kind of slowed things down because you, we have to, we have to, we want to, and it's part of the process that we, we block out and we choreograph each of the intimate scenes before we do them. And this season, obviously, we had, like, masks and we had to social distance. And so you're, like, shouting across the room where you want to put things and where things need to be raised and so it's like very it just made things a bit like clunkier but we we got through it I think we were just also happy to be there yeah and happy to be back and happy to be doing a job during a pandemic like Amy this is a question like besides the smelling thing this is another thing I'd never thought I'd say in a junket how is your nose 
after shooting during uh, COVID? Like how many schwabs did you have to have up there? Oh, God, you know what? A lot, a heck of a lot. I don't even react now when someone does a test on me. Honestly, it's 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 very funny, actually, when someone who doesn't, like, has never done it before and they'll come over, you know, I went on another job and they came over and they were, like, giving me all the warnings and stuff. And I was like, darling, just go for it. <laughs> honestly, at this point, I, I will not. And then they're looking at me thinking, is she human? She's not <laughs> reacted at all to having this thing that, it's because it's just, I mean, it was just constant, wasn't it? Was it like constant. three times a week? So I think so, yeah. My answer is that my nose is numb. I love your characters. I love Eric. I love Amy because your characters are just gorgeous. They wear their hearts on their sleeves. Shuti, if you could take a piece of Eric with you into your everyday life, what would you take? I guess like for both the characters, for Eric this year, I think he's learned how to grow how to try try to find happiness within himself. I think he's someone that's spent a lot of time on like on other people and like being patient and like facilitating a lot of other people's growth. And I think this season he really is trying to facilitate his own growth and learns that actually if other people can't make room for me to grow, then are those people really my people? And so that's what I would like to take forward from that. I think I have, in the past two years, that's what I've been taking forward from Eric. I love that. Amy, what would you take from Amy? Very, very similar that, but also I think, because Amy's also trying to grow out of this people pleasing and getting her worth from others. But I think that also her, her just her presence, like how present she can be with people. Yeah. Like if she's just very, someone speaks, she's there, she's with them. I think I can, I can go up into my head a lot and I'm, I'm, I'm quite like an overthinker and I can get quite lost in spirals of anxiety and overanalyzing things. And actually I think Amy is a lot better at just being in the here and now than I am. I think she's good mm. at being present and, yeah. you know, and I think that that is a really good quality to have. So I would like to be a bit more like that. And finally, what has been the best thing for you being a part of sex education? Oh, I think meeting the cast of sex yeah. education for me, I would say. Meeting, meeting some new amazing friends and people to have in my life, like for a very, very long time. So you guys have really taken the friendships off screen. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. We're very lucky. You know, people would say, don't get too used to this because it won't be the same on every yeah. set. And I think, yeah, yeah, whatever, because it was kind of like our first screen job. So I was just like, man, this is just what sets are like. And yeah. then you go on to others and you're like, oh, my God, no. It is, yeah. like, really rare to have that connection and that kind of, like, chemistry with a cast. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it as much off screen as we're enjoying it on screen. I'm really hoping you'll be back for season four. I have everything crossed. Thank oh, you. So thank much. you so much. If you haven't checked out Sex Education yet, do yourselves a favour and check it out. It is so good and each season keeps getting better. I cannot wait to see what they do with season four. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars and is exclusive to Spin. It's the Bellissimo Files here on Spin with me, Serena, and I've really enjoyed today's show. We've been taking a look back at some of our favourite interviews from 2021. I'm going to end with, I think, one of the nicest men in Hollywood. Every time I chat to Henry Cavill, I think he can't get nicer. And then I chat to him again and he does this. 
Henry, congratulations on this season. Thank you very much. I just want to apologise in advance. If you can hear a weird noise, it's Cal. He's drinking water right now. It's okay. not something. I was, I was going to ask about Cal. Yeah. I love that you have brought your dog to these junkets. How's he finding them? It's just a regular day for him. He's, he's <laughs> always um, travelling about the place and, and accompanying me to work. So he enjoys meeting new people. I was on your Instagram yesterday and I found one of your posts so refreshing When it comes to junkets, Henry, a lot of people complain about them, and I get it. Three, four days of press, it can't be the most interesting thing you get to do in your job, but you actually thanked every single journalist that interviewed you. Can you tell me about that? Because it was so refreshing to see. Not that we expect thank yous, but it was so refreshing. (laughs) Well, I mean, you guys are doing a job too, and there is a big difference when you can tell when someone's come in and, and they've they've done their homework or done their prep, just like you have, and you have interesting discussion to have and interesting conversation. And, and that makes the, the tricky part of these press tours, which is the repetition, that makes it interesting. And so it's everyone's doing a job here. And uh, I think everyone deserves thanks for it. Your job's a little bit harder, though, especially when you get to injure yourself on set. It's not, not something that everybody wants to do. But then you decide to actually continue working through it, Henry. How do you do that and actually give 100%? Because at the back of your mind, you have to be thinking, if I injure myself, that's not just this job. That's many jobs to come. Absolutely. And that was something which was playing around the back of my mind a lot. I had the injury. I tore the hamstring just before Christmas. And so we then went on Christmas hiatus early and then went back a week later than planned because of the pandemic uh, spiking particularly bad in the UK at that time. And then when I was back, I'd gone through a certain amount of physio, I'd come off the crutches, and my physiotherapist, Freddie Murray, had said, right, no more than five hours a day on your feet. And it got to a point where production were asking me for more hours in the day, and I was saying, look, I can't. But then wanting to be helpful, and so working six hours, five and a half, seven, and then it came to fight scenes later, and the fight scenes are the really tricky ones because I'm thinking exactly that. I could tear my hamstring again doing this if I just slip in the wrong place. But every take, you give it your all, and then it gets to a point where I just have to say, look, guys, if you don't have it by now, I'm going to have to stop. And so I, I don't want to risk injuring myself because, as you say, it could be my it could be career changing rather than yeah. just job changing. I do love though that you know you do talk about workouts and stuff. And again, I was on your Instagram yesterday and I saw that you'd finished up on Enola Holmes, and I went, "Oh my god, Henry Cavill isn't a superhero. He's just like us. He didn't want to do the workout. He pushed through <laughs> and he went out and did it anyway. It was cold and miserable. So do you have those days where you just go, "No, nah, I'm not doing it," and then you have to talk yourself through? Like, give me the secret to getting yourself from the couch to outside in that miserable weather for that run. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, it's just getting started. And that's the trick. Yeah. Like throw the shoes on and just get outside. And, and even if you, it's the argument you have with yourself when you're saying, oh, no, I'm too tired to do this. So it won't be a good workout. And so if you counter that argument with, all right, then, well, at least put my trainers on and I'll start to go for a run. I'll just run really slowly or I'll just walk. And then by the time you started, you're actually already moving and the chances are you will feel okay. And if you are completely exhausted and you've already started and you go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to walk today or I'm going to have a light workout in the gym, whatever it may be, yeah. but, you, but you've done it. And it is tricky. Yeah, really tricky sometimes, especially with long hours. And finally, Lauren Hissrick, the showrunner, has said that she sees a seven-season plan for The Witcher. Do you know what that plan is? And are you happy to go along for the ride for as long as they want you? I, I don't know what that plan is yet. Lauren has her own vision for the for the show. And the important thing for me 
is uh, doing justice and honor to Sapkowski's work in the books. Um, I think they are so beautifully written and so nuanced. And that is that is the key for me. Enjoy doing that. Thank you for taking the time to chat. And also cannot wait to talk to you about Enola Holmes too, hopefully soon. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Take care. Henry Cavill there chatting about The Witcher Season 2. That is available on Netflix now. That brings us to the end of this week's show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. And here's to a fabulous 2022. The Bellissimo Files is home to the world's biggest stars. And is exclusive to spin. 